0: Greetings, greetings and salutations in the name of the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hey, let's, uh, let's give a big shout out for our online audience, welcome them, them, on Woo! hallelujah, hallelujah. We just want to thank you all for coming out tonight, getting some word in you, being a part of for a few minutes. Go ahead if you want to and tag up on Facebook, let them know where you are and what you're doing and, and how good it is, amen. Amen. We got a few announcements this evening. Uh, Omega men's breakfast yeah. this Saturday out at the lake camp. Be a good time. It's always good to fellowship with the brethren. Amen. Iron sharpens iron. I believe Pastor Kevin's ministering this Saturday, so you know it'll be good. Be anointed. And uh, just come out and have a good time. Amen and then ladies' night ladies greater thursday four twenty at seven p m up at the area fifty one building amen, I know we've got some powerful women of God, so be good to come on out share uh if you've never been to one be a good time to come up and fellowship and get to know one another have a good time amen amen also want to announce that coming up in On the 27th of April, we're starting uh, an old new program, Overcomers Anonymous. Amen. We're going to reach out and uh, help those that need help to overcome their addictions or anything that may have them hindered or bound up in the name of the Lord. Amen. We've got a good team together, share a lot of experience, strength, and hope, and uh just try to help out and be a part of and, and man, we just want to see people get free. Amen. We want them to come to know who they are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Victory, victory, victory. Hallelujah. So let me, uh, we're going to move on to one of my favorite times. It's offering time. Amen. So, I just want to tell you a few ways to give. We have the text to give right there on the screen. Text that. If you don't know how to use it, there's a card on the seat back there that will show you exactly how to do it. We have the uh, envelopes on the back of the seatbelts. We still take cash, credit cards, amen, if that's the way you want to do it. That good-looking guy back there in the back—he's got a bucket you can throw your money into as you as you leave. We have the uh, LakeDashChurch.com. You can go on there and uh, man, use the hit the giving button, and it'll lead you just into what you need to do. Amen. To be a blessing, God blessed you to be a blessing. Amen. 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 And you, we have the church app. You can also go on there and. Uh, Man, I've never done it, but there's several people that do, and they say it's really easy. Amen? So, I don't use My wife does all the high-tech stuff in my house, so, (laughs) amen? (laughs) I throw the money in the bucket. That's the way I do it. Uh, Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Well, I got a little something... I'm, uh, I'm trying to be a better steward with my time. So I'm trying to teach myself how to, how to work from a outline. Amen? So bear with me. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Whose sake? Amen, amen, for your sake. That you, through his poverty, might become rich. Amen. Amen. You know, Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. Yes. And I found three scriptures in the New Testament that speaks about his sacrifice. One of them is Jesus became sickness so we could be healed in Matthew yes. eight seventeen, Amen. Yes. And for our natural blessings... including our finances, Jesus became poor so we could increase in all areas of our lives. Amen. Including finances. Amen. It's as much a God-given right to be financially blessed as it is to be healed or saved. Amen. Albeit, salvation is the greatest. Amen. And healing and finances... Or just to help us get through the times while we're here on the in temporary, right? Temporal. This is temporal here. One day we're not gonna need healing. One day we're not gonna need finances. Amen. When the Lord comes back, we're gonna be blessed and we're not gonna need any of those things anymore. It's a temporary it's a temporary fix for a temporary situation until we move on to glory. Amen. Amen. But Jesus sacrificed everything he had. Amen? Amen? He was rich. He walked the streets of gold. He had pearly gates. He had the crystal sea. He had his cattle on a thousand hills. He put aside deity. He sacrificed it all to come down. So when we think about giving, when we pray about giving... When we feel like we need to be led to give. Remember, a little bit of sacrifice on our part goes a long ways. He sees that. He sees it. He sees it from the heart. And I've been really big on this here lately because it's all about the heart issue. It's all about your heart when you do something. Amen? Good steward with my time. Hallelujah. So. Let me pray with you. Hold up your offering. Let me pray with you, and we'll get on. Hopefully, Pastor will be happy with my stewardship. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father God, we just thank you. We just thank you for all you're doing, accomplishing, manifesting. Jesus, we thank you for your supreme sacrifice. We thank you for, for our sakes. You became poor so that we could be rich. In all areas of our life, Father God, and we just thank you for it. So, Father, as they give tonight, I just ask that you bless them. I just thank you that you give seed to the sower and abundance for every good work. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Glory to
1: God. Amen. Well, November 15th of uh, 2016... I left the hospital with the report that I had uh, basically, uh, I think it was down to 14%, 14% heart strength, and uh, so we were on the process. Of course, the Lord healed me and restored me and brought his divine life, but uh, at the time, I was getting ready uh, to get dressed. My wife was fixing to pick me up to take me home, and uh, I like to look at social media and so i pop on you know facebook and uh, this guest that we have tonight was on there with god's healing word and uh, i began to listen to his daily broadcast of god's healing word and uh, when he was in new york he was in new york and then he moved to florida and then he's back here in the good old oklahoma right now so we're glad that he's here but um, he survived. God gave him supernatural power to overcome seven major strokes. And, uh, and it, the devil tried to steal his life many times. And uh, I just want him to minister to you and to those that are watching all over the world. Because there's no time and space when it comes to the anointing. And so, this is an anointed man of God who has a commission of God to speak life, health, and healing and deliverance into the lives of people. So, let's give a warm welcome to my good friend and someone that I truly admire, Mr. Michael Burns.
2: All right. Praise the Lord, everybody. I said, praise the Lord, everybody. I said, praise the Lord, everybody. I know, amen. <laughs> Glory to God. I know that y'all don't have music on Wednesday nights. So we'll we get right into the word of God. I kind of like that. And we're going to get right into the word. But we can just stop for a moment and maybe stand on our feet. And I want you to have a prayer language. To lift your hands begin to pray or sing other tongues with me. Oh, rabakasi rabandi. Brako sabakunjele mede brakati ya. Solaba sikriana laba kambro to samba. Liv rabacer kotosha membro de Neo membro de deo membro de deo Masafahato Shakaya shakaia leo rocosa rea casio yamakariandro somore kidego ye robo saria nabkiato sbara ye robo se robattiara okodosa yokodosa ye So I hear the Spirit of God speaking right now. And he's saying, stir up yourselves, saith the Lord. Stir up the gifts that I've placed within you. This is not the time to be idle. This is not the time to be still, except to hear what I speak to you. But then after I've spoken, go forth in great power. And go forth in my strength. And go forth in my love. And go forth in my joy. And go forth in my peace. And go forth with boldness that only comes from me, says the Lord. And as you do great will be what you will see come to pass it'll be greater than your own mind could even imagine it'll be greater than what's been done by you heretofore but you shall go forth and do the greater works that i've called you as my people to do saith the lord hallelujah to god glory to god come on lift your hands praise him right now he's good his mercy endures forever and never and ever glory to god say that loud say the lord is good Say it this way. The Lord is good to me. And his mercy endureth forever to me. Say it again. Say the Lord is good to me. His mercy endures forever to me. One more time. Say the Lord is good to me. And his mercy endureth forever to me. Hallelujah. Can you say hallelujah somebody? Come on, give God a good shout of praise right now. He's worthy of it. Can you say amen somebody? Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, greet your neighbor before you see him. Tell him God loves him and you love him and go ahead and be seated. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank God. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for his word. Can you say hallelujah somebody? Hallelujah. You pro- I don't know how many of you have ever been a true New Yorker, but I'm a New Yorker. Born and bred in Long Island, New York, glory to God. And came here in Oklahoma to go to Rama back in 1980, 81. And, uh, you know, never been in Oklahoma before then. But I went back to New York. A lot of folks that graduated from Bible school tend to stay around where the Bible school was. I'm not saying your pastor, because he didn't. He's here in Manford. But I'm telling you that, that I went back there, and I started traveling some for a couple of years. And then I had a, an opportunity. The Lord just put it in my heart through a brother named Artie Glansman, who was also a 76 year grad, uh, about holding a meeting. And I wanted to hold it in the town where I grew up. And uh, we used to hold them in my mom's basement. That's my mother, by the way, on the front row. Wait for everybody, mom. Her name is Judy. Be sure you greet her. She's 82 years young. She still drives. She still sells real estate, and I think she's had about four closings in the last few months. She's just healthy and strong and glory to God. And next by my beautiful wife Cynthia. And on. Uh, You're missing out tonight, but maybe the Lord will open up another opportunity for us to come because she can sing like nobody's ever sung before. And uh, we actually have a live worship album that we did. I don't call myself a songwriter. I call myself a song receiver. And I've written hundreds of songs or 150 at least. And uh, we have an album that's available digitally called "Let Your Glory, Fill This House. And it's available wherever digital music is downloadable. And so if you're interested in that, you might enjoy having that. Praise the Lord. Can you say amen? But I started this Bible study in an American Legion Hall. I'll never forget the first night. We had about 120 people show up and packed out this Legion Hall. It only sat about 120. I think we had actually a little bit more than that. And we didn't know what else we were going to do. But we decided that after that, I said, hey, how'd you like to do this again? And I said, yeah. So behind me where the, the front speaking was, there was a double door into the kitchen, and the caretaker of the Legion Hall lived upstairs. And so I went, and I, I called his name. His name was Charlie Chinty. I said, Charlie, I said, when is the Legion Hall available again? He said, oh, not for two weeks. I said, well, put us down for uh, two weeks from tonight. And then we had our second meeting. We had about another 100 or so people show up. And then we realized at that point we needed to have a regular Thursday night service. We had a Wednesday night prayer meeting in my parents' home. And uh, we did that for about a year, and then there was a fine pastor. Has anybody here ever heard of a pastor named David Demola from New Jersey? David T. Demola, you ever heard of him? He has a great church uh, in New Jersey. I used to teach at his Bible school there many years back. He recently went home to be with the Lord, but he built a church that teached, I think around thirty five hundred people. Tremendous work he's done. But in the day I was teaching in this Bible school, I'll never forget that one day I had a second arrow class and they had the first arrow go on. He come walking by, looked in and saw me. He said, hey, brother Mike, how you doing? I said, I'm doing just fine. And he, he said, you mind if I sit? I said, sure. I was sitting at the desk. I said, you want to sit here? He said, oh, no, 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 no. And he sat across from the desk and he said, what have you been up to lately? And I told him I'd been holding some Bible studies around. Uh, and I had this one at the Legion Hall. And I told him a little bit about it. And he, and he rose up at his seat. And he pointed his finger. Why? Be careful when people point their fingers at you. He pointed his finger at me, and he said, Michael, you're not just teaching those people, you're pastoring them. God has called you to pastor. I didn't even think I was a, I was a pastor, but something happened on the inside of me. And I went back to that next Wednesday night and told the folks what happened. And we started a church back in July of 1984. And I pastored there for 35 years. Can you say hallelujah to God forever? And we had some great impact in the state of New York. We uh, opened up, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Jones Beach. It's one of the largest beaches on the East Coast. They have about 100 to 200,000 people that show up in the summer every day, uh, especially on the weekends. And uh, we sued New York State Parks Department Governor Mario Cuomo at the time. And we literally opened up that band show because they were forbidding us from holding outdoor services in their band show. And so we brought a lawsuit. You know, we won our case in a federal judge's uh, court. It was a federal lawsuit. And I'll never forget this. That federal judge is the same one recently. You may have seen they appointed uh, Judge Deary over uh, President Trump's case in New York. They were watching over him. That's the judge we had there back in the day. And so we went into his chambers when when the state of New York acquiesced and said, we give up, basically. They They didn't want to fight us. And they, the lawyers said this to me. Now, I want you to hear this. This is so important. They said to me, uh, Reverend, we knew back in the early 70s when this law was put in the books, on the books, that it was unconstitutional. He said, we can't believe it's taken this long for somebody to challenge it. And we were the ones who challenge it. Not only did we open up New York State Jones Beach, that's our state park, But every state park in New York State now can have the gospel preached and can have literature handed out with the gospel on it. Can you say hallelujah for that? That's only one of the things that we've done. I don't have time to get into it. I want to get into the message that God has given to me. But I want to ask the ushers right now, if you're here, I have a copy of a book, my latest book that I've written called Church Happens. I want to just get one per family. I only have 60 and I think there's more than 60 people here. So just one per family, if you would, please. And uh, Brother Bob, would you bring me one? Because I want to make sure that Pastor Hurt gets a copy and I don't want him to to not get this. So you want to come and grab this, Pastor? This is a book. I don't think you have this one yet, do you? I have ordered it. I have it. It You, you, you it. have it? I didn't read it. Oh, okay, really? Okay. Well, then this is for someone else. Who would like this one? Let me throw it out to you. It's a light book. <laughs> <laughs> amen, amen. This book called Church Happens, what your pastor needs from, from uh, the people they lead is a book that I believe God gave me to help pastors and help churches. And I believe if you as a congregation will take less than an hour to read the book, it's only 48 pages, you will see the value in this of the four major things that every church and pastor needs from their membership. And I'm telling you, this will be a great blessing, and I hope it is to you. And this is my way, a small way of me saying thank you for Pastor Hurd and his wife, Karen Sue, for the support you've given me for several years. Every month, our ministry receives a check and supports us in the ministry, and we're very, very thankful that one of the peop- we're one of the people that y'all support. And we thank you. We really, every month of that check comes, I just say thank you, Lord, for blessing Lake Church, Pastor Hurd and his wife, and the entire family there. It means so much to us. Praise God. Amen. Can you just say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Now, I have one more thing I want to share with you before I preach the word. This here is about 10 pages of, a, uh, of healing confessions that I use. These 10 confessions here, there's some teaching in it as well, is available digitally. And I'd like to make it available to email those of you who would like to have this. This is not anything like you've ever had before. It's similar. The scriptures will be similar. But the Lord uh, used Charles Capps' book, God's uh, Power, uh, the Word for Healing. God's word, God's Healing Word Power, or whatever the book title is, it's a mini book. But I took those confessions in there. And I have redone them. Most of them I've redone. And I've added a lot to it. And I'm telling you, these confessions would be awesome. I would like to send them by email to every every one of you. I asked Pastor Hurd if it would be okay. So after the service, either my wife or my mother will be out out there at a table. You could sign your name, uh, your email. Don't sign it. Write it legibly so we can read it. We don't don't interpret tongues, uh, as you know. Uh, but I want to give that to you. It's my free gift to you. Plus, if you want, you could also check the box to receive our free monthly e newsletter, which we send to Lee Church every single month. Can you say amen, somebody? Amen. amen. So if you have your Bibles tonight, it's Bible study, turn to Acts chapter ten, verse thirty eight. I'm gonna to talk to you about the importance of knowing how authority works. Many of you are familiar with the scripture. Many, scripture, many of you could actually quote it without having to even look it up in your Bible. But in Acts 10, 38, we know that Peter was in the house of Cornelius, Cornelius and he made this statement, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Can you say amen to that? How many of you know that Jesus never did one miracle until he was baptized in water by John and the Holy Spirit descended upon him? For 30 years, nobody knew. I mean, they made movies about Jesus' childhood, how he did miracles with his friends and stuff like that. There's no Bible to back that up at all. So we understand something. that Jesus did not come to earth as the son of God. He came to earth as the son of man. Now, was he the son of God? Oh, absolutely. But he laid aside, the Bible tells us, all of his deity, all of his godly attributes, and he became a man just like you and just like me. And so we understand that until he was anointed, he couldn't do any good works or any supernatural works. The same thing is true for you and for me. Now, being born again is the first step toward the supernatural. But the second step is receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That's the initial evidence, not the only evidence. But I tell you, thank God, like Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. And so I'm going to stir you up a little bit and encourage you that you ought to be spending time not just praying with your mind, not just praying in English or Spanish or any other language you know, but pray in your heavenly language. I'm telling you, you will find answers that you've been seeking God for just by praying in tongues. You know, I heard Oral Roberts, you know, he used to like to play golf. Well, when he would play golf, the majority of the time between the shots, he'd pray in the spirit, pray in tongues. And he said that it was through praying in tongues that he was able to build Oral Roberts University. Because he would pray it out in tongues and then God would give him the interpretation exactly about what he was supposed to do. Well, if it worked for Oral Roberts, how many of you think it will work for you? And so you ought to spend more time praying in your heavenly language. I'm not saying don't pray in English, but pray more in other tongues than you do in any other thing. Now, if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you will have an opportunity to do that at the end of this uh, service. Praise God. Can you say hallelujah? Come on. I need, I need you to feed me with hallelujahs and amens. Glory to God. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. See, I say in my notes, I have this written. I want to read what I wrote down here. That many in the church world today are struggling in the receiving of physical healing when the scriptures are chock full of promises concerning the well-being of our bodies. Can you agree with that? Many are actually baffled when it comes to how sickness was able to come on their bodies. We've been told that family history or genetics... Our lifestyle and the fallen world we live in are the causes of many of the sicknesses we are dealing with. But I want to approach tonight's message with the time I have remaining uh, from the standpoint of two things. And I'm not sure I'm going to get through both of them tonight. But the first one is dealing with the finished work of Christ. Can you say amen to that? Secondly, how authority affects our ability to receive a God has provided for us. Amen. See, some people unfortunately have this Doris Day kind of mentality when it comes to God and a relationship. You know the old song, K Sirrah, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. K Sirrah, Sirrah. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. See, this is one of the saddest approaches that we have in life today. If you believe that God, say, is in control of everything, come on somebody, that, that, that would happen to you or to me, and that you do not have anything to do with what happens, then you are like many in the church who have an unbiblical definition of God's sovereignty. Now here, I want to say I believe that God is sovereign. Amen. Amen but not the way that many in the church believe it. I don't believe that God is in charge of everything or he causes everything to happen in our life. I mean, there are so many reasons why we don't believe that, but also if you look up the word sovereign or sovereignty in the Bible, it never says anything about God being in control of everything. This term sovereign actually does not exist in the King James Version of the Bible. It appears 303 times in the Old Testament of the New International Version and is usually associated with the word Lord. Now, it is the equivalent of the King James Version as Lord God. So that's why the NIV interprets it as the Sovereign Lord. All right? Now, not one single of those times is the word sovereign used in the manner, though, that it has come to be used. in religion in our day and time. Religion has literally resulted in the invention of a new meaning for sovereign, which basically means, in their their opinion, that God's in control of everything. Nothing can happen, they say, but what he wills or what he allows. However, I want to say this to you, that there is nothing in the actual definition that states that. Do you know that the dictionary definition of sovereign is this is what the dictionary says it means. It means paramount. It means supreme. It means having a supreme rank or power. It means to be independent. And it speaks of being excellent. But nowhere, in none of these definitions, does it say that God is in control of everything. Can you say amen, somebody? Amen. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9. Another very familiar verse of Scripture to some of us. But it says this in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Now the promise here is speaking specifically about the return of the Lord Jesus. But as some men count slackness. But what is he? God is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Say this out loud. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, how many of you can acknowledge that it's not God's will that any person alive on the earth or has ever lived should have perished? How many of you can agree with that? Bible couldn't be clear about it here in Second Peter chapter three and verse number nine, but now turn over to Matthew chapter seven. Go to Matthew 7 real quick, and I'm under a time limit, so I want to be able to get, and I may get to the Scripture before you have time to turn there, but at least write it down. These are the words of Jesus in Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14. He said this, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Now notice this next statement. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now, when you look at Second Peter 3, 9, and Matthew seven thirteen and 14, um, it seems like it's a contradiction. I mean, you understand why I would say it's not God's will that any perish, but that all will come to repentance. And yet Jesus said that there will be many that will perish. Now, even though it's God's desire that none perish, Jesus said many would perish. Apparently, God's will for the lost and undone is not being accomplished. Now, while there are many coming to faith in Christ in the day in which we live, there are still people perishing into a godless eternity on a daily basis. Now, it's equally, let me say this to you, think about this. We know it's God's will for them not to perish. But I remember Keith Moore sharing this one time. He, he said, uh, somebody asked him about you know, healing and what God's will was and all that. And why would a good God, a loving God, send anybody to hell or a godless eternity? And he prayed about it. He said, the Lord spoke to him and said, this, these words to him, it's not my choice. If someone dies and goes to hell and perishes eternally, it's not God's choice. It's that person's choice. God has made it so that they don't have to perish. God has made it so they don't have to die and go to, to hell or a godless eternity. God has already done everything that needs to be done for them. They've just chosen to reject it. Now, some haven't heard it, but listen, that's why we as believers don't need to be people that sit home, watch TV and go to church and hear a sermon dead for Christian deaths and then go back home and watch TV. We need to be busy about sharing our faith under the anointing and the power of the Spirit that's in us. Can you say amen? Now, here's the thing I want to say to you. It's equally God's will or desire that you and I are completely healed, just like it's his will for us to be saved. It's no more, you ought to write this statement down, it's no more God's will for you to be sick than it is for you to be living in sin or poverty. Whew. I may have to just stop and have a say moment here. Think about this. It's not God's will that people perish and go to hell, but it's equally not the will of God that you be sick, die young or die before. You've lived a good, full, long life. Or that you would live in poverty or lack. It is not the will of God. Yet how many of you know Christians who are sick today? I do. I was sick. Your pastor had a a season of sickness. He fought through and came out of Victoria. I mean, you know, we also how many of you know people that are living in lack and and not really poverty like a third world nation. But according to American standards, they're living with a spirit of poverty on their lives. But it's not God's will for that to be that way. See, whether it's forgiveness of sins or healing for our bodies or financial prosperity, freedom from lack. These blessings that I'm sharing with you are all a part of what Jesus has already done through his atoning work. It must be received by you and me by grace through faith. Can I get a good hearty amen from somebody? Amen. Now, I want to have you turn to a few more scriptures. This is Bible study. That's where we open the Bible, right? Go to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. I know many of you could quote it to me right now. But I want to share something with you about this that perhaps you've seen but really hasn't become a revelation to you. How many of you know you can hear the word of God and you can know it mentally. You can mentally agree or assent to the word of God, but not really have a revelation of it. God, the Holy Ghost, gives us that revelation. It's powerful here. First Peter 2.24, Peter wrote these words, who his own self, speaking of Jesus, bear our sins in his own body on the tree of the cross, that we, being dead to sins, should live now unto righteousness, Notice these words, by whose stripes you were healed. Now, uh, this is elementary to ask this question, but is were past, present, or future tense? Say that louder. It's past tense. That means if it's past tense, it's something that has already taken place. Amen. Amen. Can I say to you that might be fighting a sickness in your body that you are already healed? You just haven't renewed your mind to that fact. You haven't got to the place where you see yourselves that way. Pastor mentioned back in 2016, in June and July, I had seven strokes. In December of 2014, at Christmas, my wife said to me, what would you like for Christmas? Nice question from your wife. I said, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but I want a gym membership. I want to start working out. At that time, I'm six feet, four inches tall. But I was weighing at that point 312 and a half pounds. I was big, too big. And I wanted to do something about it. I felt God telling me to get my body in shape. I really felt the Holy Ghost been talking to me about this. And so she bought me a membership in, a, in the Long Island town of Lindenhurst that we lived. that could walk to the gym. It was that close. And so I remember I was there for 18 months. I was there three, or four times a week working out. I was doing cardio and I was doing weights. And when I first started there, the trader told me there's three prongs like to a triangle. You need to have a diet, exercise, and rest. Those are the three things that will help you lose weight. So you can't, if you have just two to three, you're not going to see any results. You have to have all three of them in, in place. So I, I begin to do that. As a matter of fact, I put on some weight since then, but uh, what, ha- what happened was I got down to 287. So from 312 and a half to 287 was some pretty good progress, wouldn't you say? And so here I am uh, doing well And in June of 2016, I was doing shoulder shrugs. I was sitting down, and I would do shoulder shrugs. You know, And I'd lift them, and I'd do two plates, which is 45 pounds each. That's 90 pounds. Then I'd go to four four plates, and then I'd go to six plates, and I would do 25 repetitions of each. Well, somewhere in the middle of doing those shoulder shrugs, for the third day in a row, I felt very lightheaded, like I was falling to my left. And I grabbed the hold of some weights and kept myself from falling. And I went and sat down after I got my composure and called my wife and said, "Honey, this is the third day I've had this symptom. Something's not right. I don't know what it is." So my son ran up. He had, it was only sixteen, but I had his permit. Drove me home. My wife took me to the ER at Good Samaritan Hospital, and they kept me there all afternoon, all night long, till seven a.m. the next morning. Ran MRIs, MRAs, CAT scans, blood work, all kinds of things. And at 7 a.m. the next morning on that day, the doctor came in and said, I'm sorry to tell you this, Mr. Burns, but you didn't have TIAs, which are mini strokes that resolve themselves. You had actually four actual strokes in your left vertebral artery. And uh, it's occluded, which means it was blocked. There was some narrowing, but there was flow in the right vertebral artery. Now, many of us are very familiar with the carotid arteries. But the vertebral arteries grow up between the spine. They wire out into the back of the skull, into the back of the brain. And it was four strokes that took place in my cerebellum, part of my brain, the back of my brain, back of my head. When he told me that at 7 a.m. the next morning, my wife was there with me, and we asked him a bunch of questions, and basically he said, there's nothing we can do for you. He said, "We've sh- it's sh- been shown that statins over a long period of time, can help clean, plaque out, but that's all we could do. I even met with a vascular surgeon, and he told me that there was absolutely no, uh, no procedure, no surgery that we could do that would fix this. And so I laid there with my wife. I laid on the bed. My wife stood by me, and she said, look, I'm going to go. And she went, said, I'm going to call family and church members, which we were pastors then. And, uh, and the doctor left. And I laid there feeling probably as lonely as anybody had ever felt in their entire life. And I'm sitting there thinking about I'm 54 years of age. I'm 61. I'll be 62 this year. Suddenly, huh, the presence of God came into my room, my hospital room. It was a curtained-off room, but the presence of God came. And I heard him speak to me. And he said this to me. He said, son. And when I heard the word son, it was the most loving thing I'd ever heard in my life. Now, if you had asked me before that, do you believe you're a son of God? I would have said, absolutely. I know I'm a son of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, right? He said, son. And I I have a hard time even saying that part of the story because it makes me emotional sometimes. He said, I need you to understand. This is what he said to me, and I don't know if you've ever heard it like this, but he said to me, son, I need you to understand that the weight of your words have brought about this consequence that you're experiencing right now. But if you'll take the weight of my word, meaning the Bible, and put it in your heart and in your mouth and believe about yourself what I have said about you, you will completely reverse this situation and you'll stand taller than you've ever stood before. Praise God. Now, you might not know what he, how, how, how meaningful that was. Let me tell you quickly how meaningful that was. I was in a position where I was actually hating myself. My f- wife and I, we were doing well together, but our home was in arrears our, in our mortgage payment. We were losing our home, possibly in a foreclosure. Our church, we, we'd done so many outreaches. We, our church was on a six-lane highway in front of what's known as the Long Island Railroad Station. It, it's a huge parking lot with cars, and our building was right there that we had rented and then bought. And now we had done many hours, every week on Friday nights, we had a car club that would meet in the train station, hundreds, maybe a thousand cars or more of these car guys. And we would set up outside. We had a stage. We'd put it up. We'd do concerts. We'd have hot dogs and chips and drinks. We'd sell for our youth ministry. We'd open up our building for them to use our bathrooms. I mean, they gave us a plaque thanking us for the service we had done for them. And, uh, but I'll never forget uh, that during that time, we would lead anywhere from 20 to as many as 50 people into a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Every week, this went on for nine, ten months. I mean, even in the fall, they would have, it if the weather was good, they'd have the car club. And I never forget this. We never had hardly anybody ever come and visit our church. Now, some of them came from New York. They came from Connecticut. They came from Pennsylvania, New Jersey. And they came from the east end of the island over toward the five boroughs, of, you know, that have there. And so even though we were winning many, many people to Christ, we couldn't get them to come to church. And then we saw a mass exodus from our church, not because I did anything wrong, not because our church wasn't still good enough, but people were moving out of New York State, down to North Carolina, down to Florida, down to, out to Arizona, Texas, Oklahoma. I mean, it was crazy. We saw about 40% of our church leave And it hurt us financially. The result was we lost our building. We couldn't sustain it with the people that were coming. Even though we were winning many, I mean, hundreds of people to the Lord. We couldn't get them. We'd follow up with them. We'd try to call them. We'd email them. We'd send them different things. But we couldn't get them to come. And so I was at a place where I was losing my home, possibly losing my church. I was hating myself. I hated the man I was. I hated the husband I was, the father I was, and I hated the pastor I was was at that point. And the enemy began to speak to my mind and tell me that I was a failure, tell me that I was a loser. And I'll be honest with you, I can't say what else he told me because he'd have to use some pretty bad language to describe it. And he was telling me all, it was constant that it was coming out of my mind. Finally, I started just yielding to it. I said, that's right. I'm a jack, you know what? I'm an idiot. I'm a fool. I'm a failure. I'm this. And I began to mutter these words. I wasn't shouting them out, but I would just, I hated myself. Lost my home. We ended up moving into an extended stay, trying to win my house back. We lived there for 14 months. Anybody listening to me right now? I'm not trying to say or compare what I've been through to what you're going through or have been through. But I lost my home, lived in an extended state, trying to, you know, win my house back. Never happened. Lost our church, started sharing another church building for our ministry in the last three years of our existence. Even though I was trying to get my body in shape at the gym, when I had those strokes, it was just like, it all had come to a head. And the, when the Lord said to me, the weight of my words, you know, I've heard death and is in the power of the tongue. I've heard theirs that speaks like the piercings of a sword. But I never, ever heard the expression, the weight of my words. How many of you understand your words have weight? You see, don't take lightly what comes out of your mouth. Are you listening to me right now? So I understand that I what I had done is I had done something that I want to share with you as we conclude this message tonight. Quickly go to Matthew 28. Matthew, the twenty eighth chapter, very quickly, please. I only have about thirteen and a half minutes. But in Matthew 28 and verse number 18, Jesus has now died. He's been raised from the dead, and he's appearing to his disciples. And in verse 18. It says, and Jesus came and spake unto them, that's his disciples, saying, all power is given unto me, where? In heaven and earth. Now listen to this. The word power here is the Greek word exousia. It's the word that means authority. Jesus said, all authority is given to me, where? In heaven and in earth. Now, let me ask you a couple of questions here. How much authority does Jesus possess? How much? Come on, shout it out at me. All. He possesses all of it. Where does Jesus have all authority? Someone shout it out. Come on. In heaven and in earth. Let me ask you a third question. How much authority does Satan or the devil have? absolutely none, a big fat zero, glory to God. So the question that I have here is, is how does he afflict people then? How does he get people to, to do what he, to receive basically what he is able to do to them? Well, first, let me just quote you. You don't have to turn and write it down. Revelation 118. Jesus said To John on the Isle of Patmos, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And he said, I have the keys of hell and of death. So Jesus has those keys. Can you say amen? Amen. You know what keys represent? They represent authority. They represent authority to enter somewhere and to leave. They represent authority to bind and to loose. Can you say amen to that? Note this. Jesus, the Bible teaches us, has literally stripped the devil of the keys of authority that he once had. You ever read Colossians 2.15? If you haven't, you should read it in the Message Bible. It says, he made a, a display of a sham authority. The devil has a, a sham authority. How do you think the devil's this big, mean, tough thing? You know, we all saw the if before we were sanctified and saved. We saw the exorcist movie, right? We saw the girl, her head spinning, projectile vomiting, turning green. The priest, the power of Christ, you know, uh, is against you. And yet the priest had to jump out the window and say, come into me. And he ran out the window and we thought he died in the first Exorcist movie. Come on, somebody. You see, you get the impression by Hollywood that that the devil is this all-powerful creature. And now they're coming, you know they're coming out with a new Exorcist movie? I saw it advertised on TV. They're doing a new Exorcist movie with the Pope or something like that. It's all about in you know, Catholicism, which is a to me is kind of strange, you know. Anyway... If you've ever taken the time, and I'm trying to be concise here, of reading Isaiah 14, where Satan had five I wills that he was going to do against God. That in Ezekiel, I think it's chapter 28, God had five wills. He responded and told them what he would do with him. And if you read Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, you'll see that there's a statement that's in there that talks about that the world is going to look down upon satan the devil and said is this the one that troubled the nations is this the one that caused all the problems that we see happening?" i'm paraphrasing in the world yeah. in other words people are going to be so surprised at how puny how powerless come on somebody see we often think oh you hear the word cancer oh Answer, it's a deadly disease. I know many people that have died from it because they made cancer bigger than the power of God. God is great. Can you say amen? amen? And we serve the only God, the omnipotent God, the omniscient God, the omnipresent God. Come on, that's who we're serving right now. Can I get an amen? Now, Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 18 to 19, and I say also unto you that you're Peter a small stone, but upon this rock, like the rock of Gibraltar, that you came out of your mouth, that I'm the Lord, the son of the living God. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Why did Jesus say I will? Because he hadn't gotten him yet. But we read in Revelation 118 that he did get him after he rose from the dead. He took those keys. And now we have those keys. And Jesus said, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Go over to God. Now, it's true. And you have to know it's true. That Satan has ability, but he has no authority to use his ability since Jesus has all authority. Now I just have a couple more scriptures to give you, and I'll be done. Luke 10, and verse beginning in verse 17, Jesus sent out the seventy, and the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons or devils are subject to unto us through your name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. You know what that tells me? That Jesus was there when Satan rebelled, Lucifer rebelled in heaven, and he watched him be thrown out with a third of the angels. To the, to the sides of the pit of hell. And he said, he described it to us, it looked just like a lightning bolt. That's how fast pride will bring you down. Jesus then went on to say, behold, I give you power. That's the same word, exousia. I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power. That's the word ability, dunamis, ability, or inherent power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. How many of you believe that's true? You have authority over all the ability of the devil to assault you. So I want you to notice that in the resurrection and ultimate defeat of Satan, that he retains his ability to steal, kill, and destroy, but he no longer retains the authority. To use it. So the question arises where does Satan get the authority to use his ability? To to, to afflict a person or any of us with sickness and disease? Can they give you the answer? Satan gets us, as believers, to turn our authority over to him, and it's through our own authority that he uses his ability to afflict us. Come on, somebody. Are oh, you listening to me right now? Turn quickly to this last verse, and I want you to see it. Go to John chapter eight, verse forty-four. I have five minutes and forty seconds. We're doing pretty good. Can you say amen? Amen. Brother Wade, he took he took up some of my time with his announcements. <laughs> but I still love him and forgive him. <laughs> it's all right, Wade. You know, Cynthia, my wife, has a brother named Wade. And she says, you remind her of, of, of her brother Wade. Only he has shorter hair than you have. John eight forty four. look what it says here. John eight forty four. Jesus said these words, the words of Jesus. You, he said to the religious people, you are of your father, the devil. and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there was no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. I could have quoted that verse to any of you or anybody for years. I could have quoted that verse. But you know, there was something in that that the Lord showed me that I had never seen before. I always said the devil's a liar. Have you ever said the devil's a liar? Just say it because it feels good to say it. Say the devil's a liar. Say it. Amen. He is a liar. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Amen. But the thing I had never realized and recognized in verse 44 is the statement Jesus made that Satan was a murderer from the beginning. And the Lord said this to me. He told me, the devil, Satan, has been killing my people with his lies because he is a liar. Think about that. How many of you have ever had lied lie to you? Let's be honest about it. Three people, four people. Oh, God's moving. I see that in. I see that in. I see that in. Oh, yeah. God's moving. No, we've all had him lied to us. Can you say amen? We've all believed his lies about who we really are in Christ. Even before we knew Christ, he told us things about ourselves that really God said, that's not even true if you just surrender your life to me. Amen. And so we see here that he's a murderer. And the Lord said to me, he's been killing my people for millennia with his lies. So you know what that means to me? That means to me that you and I and every Christian everywhere, we have to educate ourselves like you're doing tonight by coming to a great church like Lake Church here in Manford, Oklahoma, hearing the word of God, renewing your mind to that word. And so when the enemy speaks to you, come on, somebody, you're going to be able to pull the sheath, the sword of the spirit out of the sheath of your heart and begin to cut his lies down. Come on, somebody, say amen. Say Hallelujah. You see, you're, you're lack, you're, see, people say, you know, ignorance is bliss. I, it's not bliss. God said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Not only are they destroyed for lack of knowledge, but then God said to them, because you have rejected knowledge, you're not going to be a king or a priest to me. And then he went on to say this, seeing that you have forgotten the law or the knowledge of the law that I've given you. God said you, you, you uh, lack knowledge, you've rejected knowledge, and you have forgotten knowledge. How many of you know if you sharpen your sword one day, your knife, but then you go out and you use it, you cut up, you go fishing, you cut up some fish, you go hunting, you cut up some game. Come on, somebody. You carve some wood with it, right? And then you're thinking, well, the knife should just cut like it always cut. It's not. You have to keep it sharp. You have to always get the dullness out of that blade to keep it short. The same thing with your spirit and the word of God that you're receiving on the inside of you. Can I get a good hearty amen? Amen. Now, I want to just give you these two last things. Satan is a liar and the father of lies, number one. Number two, he is murdering people with his lies. Don't believe them. But by getting them to turn their authority or literally their permission over to him through his lies and deception which happens to be the only power he really has left. Can I get a good hearty amen from somebody? Did you receive something tonight from the word of God? Amen. Thank you. I thank God. Let's thank God for the word. Let me pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this opportunity to come to this great church. I've been here to visit many times, and I could see, on my visits, that the people of this congregation love their pastors, Pastor Greg and Karen Sue. It touches my heart because I was a pastor for 35 years. And I saw, <laughs> I saw what it's like to be a pastor. I had many, many good experiences, but I've also had some not so good experiences. But I thank you for the people that are part of this church. I thank you that as the word has gone forth to them today, that it's taking deep root on the inside of them. That, Father, I thank you that right now their minds have been renewed by the word they've heard. They're not going to believe in another lie the enemy tells them about their life, about their marriage, about their health, about their finances, about their children, about anything that pertains to them, their business. They will not take any lie. They think it's, oh, God speaking. It's not. God doesn't speak to your mind. God speaks to your spirit. Now, he'll alert your mind, but it first comes into your spirit. Father, I thank you today for the people. I thank you for your healing power. I thank you for the anointing that destroys yokes, that you already did something about us being healed. And so today, Father, I say before these people that when we pray, move in faith, When we fast, when we give praise and worship to you, when we tell other people about Jesus, when we read the Bible, when we go to church, these are not things that we ought to be doing to get you to respond to us. But those very things that I just mentioned should be our response to you based on what you've already done for us in Christ. And Father God, I know you know that many people today are living on the side where they're trying to get you to do something for them. Help them to see tonight, I pray, that everything that they have need of has already been provided. It's already been done. And they just need to begin to access that grace amen. through faith right now in what your word says. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed with that said, amen. amen. Thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. Please Uh, If you want, get these healing confessions. Can I just read one healing confession? Let me just read one of them here. Okay, this is just what I wrote here. Lord Jesus, you took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. Therefore, I refuse to take what you took for me, and I refuse to bear what you already bore for me. Therefore, I will not allow sickness to dominate my body in any way. The Zoe life of God flows within me, bringing healing to every fiber of my being in Jesus' mighty name and by the power of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. How many of you think that's worth saying every day? This is, I'll send this to you by email, but I need you to put your email address uh, on the form. My mom, are you going to be out there? Who's going to be out there? Mom will be out there. Hey, you'll love her. She's a sweet lady. Amen. I'm going to give this copy to Pastor Hurd and his wife to just if you want it, you know. But you already have it in the newsletter. I sent it to you in the newsletter. But you'll have a hard copy here. But anyway, I love you. Thank you for having me tonight. Uh, The Holy Spirit is here. He wants to minister to you. If you need prayer for healing, we can take authority over that thing, and we'll have to loose you and let you go in Jesus' name. Pastor Hurt, I'll be here at the front if you want to. Thank you, Lord. Lord
1: Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, my brother. Powerful word. Amen. Amen. Good quality ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. We want to give you an opportunity to bless Michael tonight. We've received something very, very precious and valuable. And uh, we're going to communicate unto him good things. Amen. So if you'd like to do that, of course, you can text to give 100 percent will go. To, uh, Michael Burns. Also, if you're online, uh, we will, everything that comes in online, we'll send it to him. And uh, if you'd like to give cash or check, you can write it out to Lake Church. Just put guest speaker on there. And they've got a bucket in the back over there. And as you're leaving, just leave it there. And uh, praise God, we just want to bless him for coming and being with us and giving us that tremendous word. Amen. Praise God. That's tremendous. I think we need to raise our hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. When you've ate a good meal, it's just good to say, praise the Lord. That was delicious. Amen. And I'm my, my spirit man is fed. My mind is being renewed. And praise God, life is being injected into my physical body right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I know many of you are struggling in body, have had reports this week that have not been good. I'm here to tell you that you don't need to leave here without having the prayer of faith prayed over you and the anointing that's upon Michael's life transmitted into your life. Amen? So he's going to be up here at the close of service. And I would just encourage you, if you desire, to have hands laid upon you and receive and walk out healed then praise the Lord, he's going to be here to do that. Amen? Amen. And uh, hallelujah, Jesus is the healer. Amen? Amen? And I encourage you to fill that out and put your email on there. It is a good quality newsletter. Mark on there. I want a newsletter. It's a good quality newsletter. And then tune in on Facebook and other social media places and tune in to his God's Healing Word broadcast. You will be greatly enriched and blessed by it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen.
2: Hallelujah. Yes. Sure. I just want to say, I don't need a long time. But uh, in, at the end of May in June, I'm traveling back to New York, and I'll be there for three weeks of ministry. Uh-huh. And so I'm asking that the Lee Church family keep me in prayer mm-hmm. as I travel. And I'm not going by myself. My wife's staying here in Oklahoma But uh, keep me in prayer about that, all right, would you? Thank you.
1: He is going to the lost continent of New York. (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.